Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you feel loved by this message from one of our guest speakers. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is moving in the book of Acts. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit moving through Christ followers, loyal disciples, covenant-keeping men and women of God, of every walk of life, ordinary people becoming extraordinary because of the power of the Holy Spirit changing and transforming their lives, people's hearts yielding to the purpose and the will of the hand of God, moving forward in the purpose of God. Look what God did with Peter. In one instance, he's Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinner. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I have no purpose. I have nothing. I'm miserable. I'm angry. I can barely feed my family. And then in Acts chapter 2, he's anointed. He went from a denier to a declarer of the purposes of God. And he just said to the people, 3,000 of them, repent and be water baptized and turn unto the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your household. 3,000 people under the sound of his voice were saved under that gospel message. They, they gave their hearts to the Lord. They were water baptized. And then what was formed by the supernatural hand of God was what? It was the early church. And it was a church that was in motion. It was moving forward. It was a moving and shaking church. And it was on a journey. And so the message that I submit to you today is about our journey of faith as well. It's about your journey of faith. It's about this church's journey of faith. That is our trust in God, that we walk with Him. And so we find ourselves in this book of Acts story. And so I want to be the tour guide this morning of the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. That second missionary journey began in Acts 15, and we've heard preaching and teaching on that already, and then it concludes in Acts 18, and so we are right in the middle, right in the heart of the very journey of the Apostle Paul as he goes into Athens, Greece, and he stirs it up. You know, you read Acts 17, he goes from town to city to Jewish synagogue, and he's shaking up people's faith. He's challenging their belief system, and he's bringing transformation as he teaches and preaches the kingdom of God to many of his brethren, the Jews. And then, of course, he's walking into an entirely different culture, and he goes in among the Greeks, the Athenian culture of the day, and he goes to this famous place called Mars Hill, uh, also known as the Aragapus. And even a friend of mine that I had coffee with last week, we had this discussion. I said, you know, I'm preaching on Acts 17. He goes, oh, I was there. He goes, you can see inscribed in some stones, the Apostle Paul's great sermon was preached here to the unknown God. And we're going to look at that momentarily. But I want you to know, all of you, even as Paul the Apostle was a mover and a shaker on a journey for Jesus Christ, so you and I are called to be movers and shakers in our sphere of influence in this generation to the people that we have relationship with. I mean, if we don't hold people accountable to the living God, who will? And so God wants you and I to realize that we're called to be influencers. That's what, that's what being a mover and shaker is all about. You're an influencer for Jesus Christ, the Lord that you serve, and the kingdom of God because we care about people and we want to see them in heaven 
when they receive eternal life and, of course, uh, receive their eternal reward and we would receive ours as well. And so let's turn to the Word of God this morning. We're going to read Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. I'm going to take a deep breath. There's a lot to fill my mouth with this morning with these verses. Reading from the New Living Translation, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection. They said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to the unknown God or to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing, it is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. Other versions say, and have our being. We have our identity in him. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. And when they heard Paul preach the speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. And then ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers among them, were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Father, this morning we thank you for the word of the Lord. We pray that the Holy Spirit would come and illuminate our understanding and lead us and guide us and feed us for this week. Lord, it's Sunday. Success begins on Sunday. And we are in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And Lord, we yield our hearts to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit that we would leave changed. 
that we be transformed in our hearts and in our character and in our future and in our destiny, and that we would be stronger and nourished by your word. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father and the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being. We have our very existence. We have our identity. And the Apostle Paul shared this with these philosophers, these highly educated Athenians. They were Epicurean, Epicureans and Stoics. They had their own belief system. They made idols out of their hands. And he was saying, why do you want to make an idol and a temple with these idols when you can be so close to God that he will live inside the temple of your own soul? When you yourself will become the temple of God, you as the clay and he as the potter, he comes and he takes and shapes you, shapes your identity, spirit, soul, and body, and he wants to live inside of you, this unknown God in whom I am testifying. And so this morning, movers and shakers know the unknown God because they're Christians. They are known by him. They live for him, and, in, and they move in step with him. They are moving with him. You know, the Bible says in Daniel 11.32, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. They get assignments from God. Paul was on assignment. He was on a journey. God gives us things to do. He gives us exploits. He's looking for our availability. He's looking for our willingness. But first and foremost, he's looking for a relationship. He's looking for an open heart to indwell. And so you're an image bearer. You bear the image of God. And he's challenging the skeptics. You see, there's, there's stars in this story. There are skeptics in this story. There are students in this story. And there's a, a, a Savior in whom the whole story revolves, and we know that it's Jesus Christ. And so you look through this chapter, and you see this. You see the students. You see the star. It's the Apostle Paul. It's the Lord God Almighty. And you see this clash of cultures that's taking place, but, but God is trying to reveal himself through the Apostle Paul, through his communications to these men, to the people that came around and got nothing done, and all they did was talk. <laughs> Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Movers and shakers know the unknown God, and they are known by God. God has plans. He knows the plans, plural, for every dimension of life. Your future, your occupation, your destiny, who you will marry, your, 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 your finances. He's got a plan for everything. It's not one plan. It's plans. It's plural. There's an S on the end of that word. Because God unfolds one plan after another and after another and after another in your life. And he keeps writing 
chapter upon chapter in your life. And, and so, don't give up on your relationship with God. You might be saying in your heart, I haven't heard from God in a while. Well, he's speaking to you now. God is trying to reach some of your hearts today in a fresh way because he wants to write something new on the scroll of your life. He wants to take you somewhere. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so, don't get stuck in your history because it'll hinder your destiny. So many people get stuck in their history. What happened last year, two years ago, five years ago, and they stay there and they dwell on that realm and God is saying, get out of that stuck situation. Stop spinning your wheels because you're a mover and a shaker. You're meant to put one foot of faith in front of the other and the other and other. I didn't save you so that you would just sit and be a spectator in life and not participate in the great plan and will of God for where you're going. God wants to take you somewhere. Amen? Movers and shakers. I got some definitions here. Number one, movers are believers who have learned to walk where the Father wants them to walk. They have put feet to their faith. They are in harmony with the will, of, will and purposes of God. That is where, what a mover is, a Christian. Someone that, that has learned through trial and error what the Father's will is for their lives. Romans 12, 1 says this, don't, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can do what? So that you can prove what is that perfect and good and acceptable will of God. For every man has been given and dealt the gift of faith or a measure of faith. And in that measure of faith, we walk by faith and not by sight, not by our natural eye, not by what circumstances appear to be in the here and now. Because those circumstances, and we all know it, can change very quickly. Reality can change very fast in our lives. And so secondarily, there's shakers. Shakers are believers who speak with the authority of the gospel message. We speak with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent out 70 disciples, didn't he? With a mandate, with an anointing, with authority. And they came back and reported back to Jesus. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us through your name. Now that's authority. And he says, rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But yes, you have authority. There is the believer's authority. You have some influence. That's what movers and shakers are. God is walking with you wherever you go. Be sensitive to what he's telling you to say. Be sensitive to where he wants you to go, who he wants you to connect with in life. Well, Paul was led into some rather interesting circumstances and challenging situations. I mean, he, he shook things up wherever he went. And in Acts 17, Paul was challenging the idolatry and philosophy of that day with his famous sermon to the unknown God. He shook up the narrative of what was known in the day as the Epicurean philosophers. Epicureans 
Their founder was Epicurus, I believe his name was, back in 250 to 350 B.C., something like that. And that was a long time for that belief system to be entrenched in people with all of its idolatry. And he, so he said very kind things to them, like, why are you serving these dumb idols? Don't you guys know you're serving demons? I mean, we don't want to offend anybody, do we, with anything that we say? I think I heard it read this morning, marvel not that they hate you. They hated me first. And that's what Jesus said. I mean, I, I want to make peace with people. I really do. But there comes a point where I've said everything I can say. You can choose to not count yourself worthy of eternal life if you want. That is your prerogative. That's what Paul the Apostle said. That's what the Bible said of some of the cities and the communities he went. They counted themselves unworthy of eternal life. Okay, I'm shaking the dust off my feet and I am moving on to the next city, to those that will receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he stirred it up there and they fired back. They called him a babbler. It's a word picture in the Greek of a chicken just picking stuff off the ground. You know how they are. They were mocking Paul. They had contempt for him. And I call those kingdom clashes. That's a spiritual matter. Because let me tell you, you're representing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light, and there is a kingdom of darkness out there. There is ideology. There is narrative. And we know what we're up against today as the church. Then there's the Stoics. The Stoics believed in God. They believed in the providence of God. Whatever happens, happens. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Lots of Christians believe that. I don't have to do anything. I'll just sit back and God's going to do it all. I don't have to participate in a thing because God's just going to do it. I don't know about that. That's what the Stoics believe. And there's lots of people who are practicing Stoicism today. They practice it. They also worship the creation rather than the creator. They don't name God as Jesus or Jesus as deity, the Lord God. They don't recognize a particular God as such. And so they worship the creation. Sounds a lot like wokeism to me. Anyway, that's what Paul was dealing with. And we know we're dealing with the same thing today. These philosophies are still around. They shift. They change some ideas. They make it more relevant and plausible and pluralistic for everybody to embrace today. But hey, the ultimate truth is, is this. The counterfeits, whatever people choose to, to put their heart and their trust, their trust, their put their lives in and put their trust in, it's a counterfeit. And it always does this. This is what idolatry is. It's putting Jesus second place, third place, and fourth place rather than first place in your heart. Paul the Apostle simply said this, idolatry is greed. It's covetousness. It's a lust for power. That's what it is. That's what he said it is. I believe it's in Colossians. You can look it up. Idolatry. I 
idolatry, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. I mean, hey, you can make yourself an idol yourself. You just worship yourself. Build an altar to yourself. It's all about me, myself, and I. I mean, that's what the culture is fostering. That's what they say. You know, the best version of yourself. Make it about yourself. Well, praise the Lord. Can anybody give me an amen this morning? I, I need a little reassurance, a little insecure this morning. And <laughs> Anyway, the Lord will have no rivals for your heart. There can't be any rivals. There can't be other lovers. There can't be many lovers. You know, God wants us to know Him. And He wants to reveal, our, reveal Himself to you and I. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about your future. He cares about your family. He cares about your decisions, which leads to the next point, verse 30. God winked at these belief systems. He overlooked them for a period of time. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent and turn to, turn to him, to turn to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He said this. Paul actually said this to the legal council on Mars Hill. And they had contempt in their hearts for him. How dare this man talk to us in this regard? There was some despising in their spirit for him. And it's true that we have to be the movers and shakers that know the value of true repentance and its impact on the journey of our faith. Amen? Real Christians understand that there is a virtue and a value to repentance. And repentance simply means this. It means to change your mind. It means to make a 180-degree turn. And the first message of the kingdom was, was just that. John the Baptist was a moving, a moving and shaking preacher of righteousness, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus Christ came on the scene not many years later, months later, and he said the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It means it's within your reach. It's here. You can pull it into your heart. Amen? And then Paul the Apostle comes and he's saying the same thing. Repent. And if Paul the Apostle were here today, he'd be saying to this generation in Edmonton, in this region, he would say, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. He'd be saying the same thing, and the church needs to say the same thing. Repentance is a foundational truth found in Hebrews chapter 6, one of the main foundations in the Christian faith. You cannot remove that and have a proper salvation experience. It's contingent upon your salvation to turn and change lanes. As a matter of fact, you change your mind, you will change the lanes in the course of your spiritual life. And so stepping into your journey starts with the first step in accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. We turn our back on this culture and receive the Christ and we learn to walk with him and we take a step of faith and another step of faith and another step of faith after that. Amen. And so allow the Holy Spirit to navigate your life by practicing repentance as a lifestyle. Repentance is the first step that takes you on the road to redemption. 
and to continue to pave that road. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, and we need to respond to him, and we need to allow him to move us and guide us and lead us. And, you know, we, we can be sorrow for our, sorry for our sins at times because of uh, the fact that we know it is that sin is a relational matter between ourselves and our Heavenly Father. That's what sin is. Sin separates us or distorts or disconnects the relationship. It's not what it once was. And so we recognize that in our horizontal and vertical relationships, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, but our relationship with others. When we wrong someone and we were wrong, we, we need to repent of that. We need to make things right where we can. Amen? And wow, you know, we don't know how much we need to forgive people until we've been wronged. Amen? It's sure easy to preach on forgiveness when you don't have to forgive anybody. It's another matter when you need to forgive someone because of a breach in the relationship. And so it is. And so how repentance goes. And so we need to allow the Spirit of God to work with us. And we must be willing to let the Spirit of God dismantle the shrines that we have built up, these shrines of our own opinions, of our own ideology, of our own beliefs that haven't produced fruit in our lives. And we need to exchange them for the mind of Christ. It says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, meaning what? You have to allow the Lord to form his mind in your heart. You might have to abandon some things that you've been thinking about as truth, and as you look into the Word of God, we know that the Word of God is a mirror, and it reflects back our character. And we can see every flaw, every zit on our forehead, every blemish when we look at ourselves in the mirror of God's Word. Amen? But we can forget what manner of man or what woman we are very quickly if we are only hearers of the Word and not doers only. So let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Renew your mind in the direction of your life, and the course of your life will change, and the journey will become more fruitful, and it'll be better, I promise you. C.S. Lewis said this, we all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. Retrace your steps. Your retrace your steps. Someone out there this morning. Movers and shakers change not only the way that they think to change the course of their lives. Movers and shakers change the confession of their mouth, which leads to a change of direction on their journey. Why? Because the thinking of your mind is connected to the confession of your mouth. Okay, we say what we think. I mean, the Lord spoke to my heart, and he says, I want you to erase this statement out of your mouth. It is what it is. It just sounds negative, doesn't it? It is what it is. I, I'm not saying go into denial, 
But God is saying, instead of saying, it is what it is, why don't you say what I say about the situation? Why don't you start declaring what God says about the circumstance? Why don't you start applying some of the promises of God in your life where I say what I say? Do you want to believe what you say? Because I can tell you this, Ed, if you keep saying it is what it is, it's going to stay the same. Nothing's going to change. But if you start saying what I say and believing in your heart that you receive those things which you pray and you ask God for, you can have them. You can have what you say. I think that's okay preaching, personally. I, yeah. <laughs> You can't break a negative course of life without speaking what God says about you and where you are going. So it's not just your belief system that controls you. And make no mistake about it, your belief system controls you. Okay? You have to say what God says, and you have to realize the incredible power that are in words. You know, somebody shared with me recently, they, they talked about something they saw in their mind, in their heart. You know, they saw two kinds of people, some with seeds in their mouths that were fruitful and seeds in their mouths that were toxic. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's in your mouth. And they that that sow those seeds will, will reap the consequences of such. I have that in the voice Bible here, Proverbs 18, 21. Words have power in matters of life and death, and those who love them will savor their fruit. Psalms 141 and 3 out of the English Standard Version says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watcher, watch over the door of my lips. Because we have the power to shut and open the door of our lips allowing blessing and pronouncing cursing to come out, and it ought not to be that way. Amen? It should be blessing. We should be speaking life where there is death and changing the situation. Let me give you an example of this. The woman with the issue of blood kept moving towards Jesus despite the negative what? The negative committee in her mind. Everybody's watching me. I'm a woman. I'm not allowed to touch a man, let alone a rabbi. I am not allowed to get close to him by tradition and by Mosaic law. Yet, the thing that was compelling her forward was her malady, was her sickness. She had spent all her money on doctors, and listen to their narrative, and they promised, they gave her nothing. She went broke. She had hard times. She was in a desperate situation. But it says in Matthew 9 and 21, for she said to herself, other versions said that she said within herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. I shall be made whole. We know the situation. Jesus stopped. Who touched me? Who touched me? Well, master, teacher, everybody's touching you. No, somebody touched me because virtue went out from me. And then he found her and he said, your faith 
has made you whole. Jesus didn't lay hands on her. Jesus did not pray for her. Her faith, her confession, her belief in a God who keeps his promises was the one who released that power. It just came out of him. It just like she sucked it right out of him. And she was made whole. She was made well. But she had to silence the naysayers in her mind. Her voice had to get stronger and stronger. Let me tell you, you cannot keep speaking negatively over your marriage, over your business, over your circumstances and expect a positive outcome, a fruitful outcome. It never happens. Psychologists call this a self-fulfilling prophecy. They know about this. The world knows about this. And so you control your thoughts. You control your belief system. You control your tongue. And you dispense it in such a way you're going to be a mover and a shaker. This woman was a mover and a shaker. And her ministry began. Her ministry of healing began. Amen? What kind of inner dialogue do you have with yourself? It can determine your direction. It can de determine where you're going in life. And so it's not over until God says it's over. Amen? It's not over until God says it's over. So you need a word of faith. You need a word of hope. You need to keep confessing the word of God, praying against those circumstances, declaring the true promises of God, and casting not your confidence away in the Lord, and dealing with different things in your life. And you know what? We need a word of faith, and we need to have faith, not in times of success, but in times of adversity and trial and failure. That's when we need real faith, people of God. That's when we need it. So keep turning away from the naysayer within your mind and speak to the mountain that's in your way today. couple points. Going to wrap it up here. Movers and shakers, pray until the Holy Spirit shakes up the atmosphere in the house. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Movers and shakers is what we're talking about today. The place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. God not only wants this house to be a place that shakes the very powers of darkness out of this region, but God wants to have a prayer meeting at your house with your family where husbands and wives lock hands together and they start praying the the, the, the purposes of God and the plans of God over their house. They start declaring the promises of God until the neighbors hear them and shake them out of their darkness and out of their situation and they want to know what's going on over there. Amen. Movers and shakers know that the power of prayer, praise and worship shakes the chains off the bound. It shakes the chains off the bound. Acts 16, 25 and 26. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. That is the power of praise and worship. You know, I can sit and wallow in my self-pity or I can worship my way through my circumstances. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.